The scripture reading before tonight's lesson is from John 2, verse 17. John chapter 2, verse 17. Then his disciple remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Thank you, and good evening, everybody. Hope you're all well-rested and alert. Got a nice nap in today, so I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, I don't know about you, but this weather, this spring, has kind of put a damper on some of the activities that I like to pursue at this time of year. Uh, the spawn is on for fish, or at least it's coming, and it's been kind of hard to get out there and enjoy that. Mostly because it's, it's cold and I'm a bit of a fair weather fisherman. I don't like to admit that. But have you given much thought to the things that you're passionate about and why you're passionate about them? Why do you pursue those things? Perhaps it's a hobby like fishing or hunting or cooking or about anything like that. But at some point in time, you were introduced to whatever that was. And you came into contact with something about that hobby that you really enjoyed. And so you continued to pursue to do that. And maybe somewhere along the line, it became more than just a hobby and it became a passion of yours, something that you're driven to do. A good, good illustration for what's going on here, you could look at a simple pot of boiling water. The pot has water in it, it's on the burner, the burner heats the water. At some point, that heat converts the water from a state of not boiling to boiling. And if it's left there, you know what happens. Have you ever left a pot of boiling water on the stovetop and forgot about it? Goes over somewhere, makes a mess. And scripture has a term for this process, this process of boiling over, and it's called zeal. And it's just like this point of water. It has a source that heats up the person. And I'm sorry, I lost my place. It has a source, it has a period of heating up and eventually to a boiling point. And at some point in time, a conversion, takes, a conversion takes place, and it begins to boil that water. The word zeal comes from the Greek word, and it's a doozy. You ready for it? Z. Z-E. Yeah, it's, it's tough. But it literally means hot enough to boil over. Uh, in its translation, it's sometimes exchanged with words like passionate, fervent, driven, eager, enthusiastic. And it's defined as having a great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. There's a reason that you have it. We can learn from scriptures like Romans 12:11 that Christians aren't to be slothful in their zeal, but rather fervent in the spirit. It's a command of God for the New Testament Christian, so it should be important to us. And to see just how important it is, if you looked at Revelation 3:15 through 16, Jesus directs John to write to the church of Laodicea to inform them of their lukewarmness. He says, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Being lukewarm is a bad state of being for a church, wouldn't you say? It's unacceptable. It's not what we're called to. But did you catch what temperature they were? Lukewarm. Not hot, not cold, just right. It's complacency. Did you see their passion? Could you sense passion? Could you sense their eagerness, their enthusiasm, or their drive, or their purpose 
behind what they were doing? I would propose that they didn't have the point of contact that would cause them to be boiling with zeal. However, if you go on in the passage in verse 19, Jesus tells them the solution to their problem. He says this, comforting them. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. It's a good thing he warns us. He says, therefore, be zealous and repent. Who thinks that being rebuked by the Savior would feel very nice? I wouldn't want to hear that. If, if Jesus said to me, David, I don't, like, I don't like your attitude, I would be grieved by that. Luckily, if it's a godly grief, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11, he says, rebuking to a church that was complacent in some blatant sin that was in their midst, he says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourself innocent in the matter. After Paul had rebuked them, you'll find out that they repented. And we know that repentance is when we stop heading away from what God desires of us turn around and actually go back towards him. And this produced many things like eagerness, earnestness, indignation, and zeal. See, what's happening is this godly grief forces us to the point that we repent and we go back to God. And from this repentance, it puts us in a position where we're actually able to connect with that source of zeal again, connect back to that point of contact. The Bible talks about this point of contact as having a very intimate relationship with Christ. If you were here last week, you heard Ken describe this with Peter. Excellent illustration of that. How when Peter was close, closest to Christ, he was in the inner circle. And from that inner circle, drawing near to God, he was able to be zealous. What happened when he was farther apart from him? When he followed from afar? He was cowardly and didn't do as he should have. Think about the pot of, oil, pot of boiling water again. You've, I'm sure everybody's watched a pot of boiling water. It's riveting. It's great. Have you ever noticed where the bubbles come from first, when it first starts to boil? Closest to the burner. And we can expect that as Christians, that's where we're going to find our source. Closest to our Savior. We can be awfully close, as Scripture reveals. Galatians 4.9 says that we can come to know God and be fully known by him. We can know everything that's true about God revealed in his word, and we confess what's true about us to him, that being our sinfulness. And from that, it produces the state of complete exposure between the two parties, us and God. If there's nothing in between, that, that's a close relationship. Furthermore, as Jesus is praying in John chapter 17, he says that he and the Father are one, and then he goes to say that we can be one with both him and the Father. Now, between the exposure and the oneness, can you really get much closer to somebody? Looks kind of like a marriage, doesn't it? It's this relationship that will cause us to boil over as Christians and is being developed in those who are on the way to becoming Christians. We've talked a little about 
this point of contact, but let's talk about this, the zeal itself for a minute, what zeal really is. So with the pot of water, the point of contact or the flame goes to work converting the water's status, its state of being from not boiling, just real hot maybe, to actually boiling. There is a change that takes place at 212 degrees, in case you didn't know. And this happens to Christians as well. Do you remember a few, few months back we had a conversion series where Clay, myself, and Jose had finding faith, a saving faith, and then a living faith? And how is when the gospel had convinced the mind, convicted the heart, and submitted the soul that God was able to convert that person in the water of baptism? Do you see how it's almost like we can enter into this pot of faith and God, the heat source, goes to work convincing and convicting our minds. And then when we finally allow him to convert us, there's a status that changes. Our status goes from unsaved to saved. And with that, unboiling to boiling. Do you know what that means for us, though, as a church? It means Christians should all be boiling. Every one of us. Every one of us that has obeyed the gospel should be boiling over for the gospel's sake. To not be boiling over would probably indicate that there is a disconnect from the oneness relationship with God, his son, and the love given to us by that gospel. If you don't know what that is, 1 John 4.10 gives a pretty good indicator. It says, the love is not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his only son to be a propitiation or an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He was zealous for you. Where do you think that zeal comes from? And then in Titus 2.14, it says that Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. He gave us the gospel for the purpose of purifying, redeeming, and giving us the opportunity to be zealous for good works. I'm saying this, if the relationship between God and man is as it should be, we will not only boil as Christians, but we will boil over into good works. If the gospel message is something that has actually affected you, saved you, and now makes you boil, it will be lived out in you. But it needs to have direction. If you caught the last four words of Titus 2.14, I'll remind you if you don't. Zealous for good works gives us a pretty good indication as to what our direction for our zeal should be, because we should have it. Let's see. Paul writes in Galatians 4.18 that it's good to be zealous in a good thing, always. Things like love, or charity, or peacekeeping. You can, I'm sure you can think of something, a good thing to pour out your zeal in. But that also indicates that there are some bad things that we could possibly pour our boiling over into. For example, we can be zealous to share God's word with somebody and actually tell them how it is. That's, that's not necessarily a good thing if it's done in the wrong, the wrong attitude. We can lack tact with how we try to bring somebody closer to Christ and actually end up pushing them farther away. A great example from Scripture Paul, think about his zeal. Before he had been converted, he was zealous in persecuting the church, trying to destroy it, killing Christians. 
He was in a pot of faith, so to speak. He was boiling over from his own righteousness against Christ and his church. But when he came into contact with the gospel, was converted, the direction of his zeal changed from trying to destroy the church to trying to grow it. That should be our objective as well. Our zeal must be directed out in a godly way and it must be directed into what God would desire of us. It needs to be godly in that it conveys the same kind of love, grace, and patience shown to us, every one of us as believers. It needs to be directed out with the intention of bringing others into a saving relationship with the Savior. To just, just doing good for the sake of doing good isn't the objective. That's not what we're after. Things like, I hold a, hold a door open for somebody. Got God off my back for the day. I did a good deed. That's not what it's all about, is it? No, it has to have a purpose behind it. Lost my place again. The purpose behind it is revealed in Matthew 5.16 when Jesus says, Let your light shine before men that may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's why we do it. That's the purpose behind our good deeds, our zeal for good deeds, so that others who don't know Christ can see that and give glory to their Father in heaven. I ask you now, church, are you doing this right now? Is that zeal present in your life? Are you exemplifying that? Are you zealous for the gospel's sake and trying to grow the body here at Pickerington? If not, I'd urge you to please talk to one of the elders so we can help you with that. Uh, it's, it's imperative to us as a body to care for ourselves and to grow ourselves and to all be on the same page. Furthermore, as, as a body, I love you guys but I, I, I want to share you this. As a body, I want us to be mindful of this one thing, that as we continue to grow and pursue ways to build each other up within the body, as we learn to be good stewards of what we have, and we learn to minister to those who are not yet in the church, we need to remember our first love, and that's the love of the gospel. We need to not be like the church in Revelation 2, Church of Ephesus, that just appeared to be doing everything right, appeared to be loving, but in fact had forgotten why they were really doing it. If there's anybody here tonight that needs to obey the gospel, needs this atoning sacrifice, so that you can have zeal for God, or if you're a Christian here tonight who perhaps has lost their zeal and needs reconnected, take this opportunity to come forward as we sing.